you like that technical foul call? Why? It's construed as disrespectful for the official. JVG NBA Tribute Show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 57 of the JVG NBA Tribute Show. Uh, my name's Marco and of course joined always by my co-host Lucas. Yes, as always, I'm here. And hey, uh, today we got a special treat. One and only Mr. Reeves, my man, Sam Reeves, how are you? <laughs> the yeah, thanks boys. I'm feeling very blessed to be here actually. Collingwood Monday Night Legend, <laughs> Sam here. Reeves. Good, good to have you in the house. Yeah, been been known around the parts to to shoot a bit too much. <laughs> I was actually unfortunately not there for your thirty-eight point performance, but yeah. apparently hit seven threes in a game in my absence. Yeah, I got to give I got to give huge shout out to to Angus Ryan, Angus Gooey Ryan, for finding me in ridiculous <laughs> um, spots. Yeah, usually we hit me and. Me and Sam hit a combined four threes per game. We hit four, <laughs> I hit none. My, my, <laughs> no, except for the first time, first time we played together. And like you drilled that one from like five feet behind the line. And I went, fuck, Lucas. Can, oh, can I swear? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Lucas absolutely. can shoot. And then didn't really hit many after that. Hey, it's not about how you finish, it's about how you start. Anyway, Marco, what's going I'm on just... this week? I'm just going to say that um, there is no way uh, Lucas has a better shooting percentage than you. His shtick is the guy who takes too many shots and misses most of them. So don't, <laughs> don't try and take that from him, please. Okay, okay I'll, I'll let him have that. Overconfident. Um, I'm wearing this guy. Lou Will jersey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Sam, I guess we just have one question for you as a diehard uh, Boston Celtics fan. What the hell is going on in Boston? no idea like ask, <laughs> like you have to ask brad stevens but he doesn't know because i don't think he knew that he was going to be gm until a couple months ago wow um yeah because you said you've been preparing all day and you said you've got the answer <laughs> um well why don't you take us through josh richardson's weird extension where it says he's extending by one year but he's getting paid 24 mil over the next two seasons so it's like I a pay rise it- this year yeah, I think it's just so he's currently on. I looked it up. He's on twelve million, so it's just gonna be twelve million a year. Okay, um, cool. So it's just like a, basically the same contract. Um, mm. I know. I think it is kind of smart. It's a, he's a basically like an average shooting guard. You'd think mm. that sounds like a fair price. Doesn't shoot it as well as you'd like, but defends a bit better than than um, than average at the position. He's long. Uh, looking at his stats, twelve points per game, like four assists, four rebounds, only 33% from three, but 6'6", six, six, long. Um, and I think the thing that's important is that he comes off the books the same year as Al Horford, um, which gives us a lot of cap space going into 2023, which mm. is, I noticed, lines up with Beal. But... Don't get too confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, usually um, my instinctive reaction to that you know, trade for someone and then immediately uh, extend them before they played a game for you is that's a bad idea. Um, I'm a bit burnt in recent memory by, you know, us uh, trading for Steven Adams and then upping his salary 
for his the first year of his contract and then giving him like a huge pay rise and extension <laughs> on top of that. It was just a massive contract that the Pelicans had to get off in the off season. But yeah. I don't I don't mind this one uh, because like as you said, uh, he's not getting a pay rise. You're not overpaying for this guy. I think this is very true to his value. Um, it's also like it's a very tradable contract as well. I I think a Josh Richardson for twelve million. Uh, you know, trade chip that's very attractive to a lot of teams. Probably not come like this trade deadline, but uh, maybe this year. Or if things don't work out, yeah. If thing if things don't work out, I don't think you can really tank his value below how much you're paying him. Um, nah, and, unless he's just complete dog shit. But I don't see that happening. Um, and yeah, like you said, that matching up with Horford's contract is really nice. Um, and the only real guy you have to play between now and 2023 is Marcus Smart um, in mm. the next offseason. Um, so, yeah, if you do want to go for Beal or whoever else is available in that free agency, like, you're going to have heaps of room for it. No, Mar- Smart resigned. It's Smart yeah. resigned. Smart. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, it was, this, it was like one of those sleuth um, resignings in the middle of the week. I think it was Fuck me. 77 million over four years. Yeah. Well, then you don't... You don't and um, a shroud of money. To, you don't have to... <laughs> oh, that's right. No, we talked about that last week. What am I talking about? Um, <laughs> that that uh, Boston are paying uh, Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart what the Lakers offered just Dennis Schroeder, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just six months ago. Um, oh well, then, sure yeah, we'll fuck get it. to Dennis yeah. Schroeder in a minute, but that is probably the highlight of Boston's off season, <laughs> which what, is the saying M- something in itself. MLE. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, if, if A pluses are like re-signing Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, I reckon Dennis Schroeder is about an A. Damn, that level. <laughs> oh, I like that. Take us through that. Uh, nah, okay, maybe not that good, but I mean, people forget Dennis Schroeder is really good. Like he was sixteen points a game last year, six assists, four rebounds, um, on like decent efficiency. He's not like blowing you away, but after the playoffs, I think everyone just thought he was a joke. So to get him mm. for what is it, six million dollars? I think, like, mutually, we're on the same page. He just wants to play well, get paid next year. Mm. We probably don't want him next the year after. Um, that's our biggest win for the year, I think. Um, mm. Like, that gives us guard depth, like, proven guard depth. Otherwise, you're relying on Peyton Pritchard to do a lot. That was actually going to be my question. What do you, what's your feeling on the, um, on the guard depth in Boston? Like, what's the hierarchy? I think Marcus Smart starts at point guard. Josh Ooh, Richardson. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice lineup. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's I long, say. it's switchable. Like mm. defensively, I think that's awesome. Um, mm. Marcus yeah. Smart's going to shoot you out of games at times, but you know, like you get frustrated. Then you'll be lining up for like free throws, and we're trying to get offensive boards, and somehow he muscles like Dwight Howard out of a rebound <laughs> and like creates something out of nothing. And you go, Oh yeah, mm. that's why Marcus smarts on the team. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what I think, think it will be. And then it will be Schroeder will be first point got off the bench. Um, I had a depth chart. Uh, and then it's like probably Peyton Pritchard smart goes to the two. Mm. Um, otherwise like Romeo Langford has to play a lot and, He's tantalizing. Every time I watch him play, he has some athletic, does some athletic thing, gets to the basket, and then blows a layup. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Good Romeo. Um, yeah, um, I yeah, like... I feel like you guys... No, you go. I know you go. I know you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I feel like uh, no matter no matter what the one through four is in Boston. No, sorry, because of who the fives are in Boston. Yeah, like the tallest one is like six two or something. I feel like Jason <laughs> Tatum. I feel like he's a shooting guard when he's next to a center like Al Horford. But like yeah. if you were next to a center like um, Stephen Adams, for example, I'd be like, yeah, Jason Tatum could definitely play the power forward. Yeah, but Horford, I think averaged six rebounds last year, and that's. It's not like that's not grouse, especially from a guy. <laughs> yeah, six point seven rebounds, um, and yeah, he's coming next to Tatum, who averaged seven, Brown, who averaged six, Schroeder, who averaged three and a half, Smart, who averaged three and a half. Yeah. So I feel like it's definitely right in front of us how Boston are going to be losing games. Yeah. But yeah, actually, since you did put that, um, I never even considered Smart, Richardson, Brown, Tatum, and Horford as the five, but mm. I really like that five. I mean, I um, almost think. This, is this too wild? I think Rob Rob Williams will start. Oh, and he may not. I don't. He may not finish games. I think Al Horford a little more reliable, but maybe mm. by the end of the year, I'm high on Rob, and mm. I think we just extended him for yeah, big contract, million over four years, mm. which yeah. is like it's such a he's such a hard play to gauge because we're projecting that he's going to be probably better than that after four years, yeah. but maybe the first two years he's under that mm. um but he is like uber athletic yeah. and he's got a nice little high post passing game that people don't know about mm. the only thing is he jumps for every block yeah like he's yeah. he's yeah. just when he's locked in our defense will be good but otherwise he's just going to get himself out of in foul yeah. trouble and i guess that's a, i guess that's one thing you can hope comes with like more experience more maturity stuff like that that you don't jump for every block um yeah. But it's like Hassan Whiteside. Everyone's like, he's a great defender. It's like, the dude leaves his feet like, oh, man. all he's, the time. Yeah. He's gotten stupider and stupider as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, like his, what, a- average like 2.5 blocks a season forever. And just like, he just must have the worst uh, defensive plus minus of anyone to grace a basketball court because he just does <laughs> dumb, the dumbest shit constantly. Um, oh, yeah. Hassan Whiteside. Uh, I'm glad he's in the league, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to zoom out for a sec, um, I guess what kind of has confused me about Boston this offseason is like, okay, Brad Stevens, the Brad Stevens era is over. The Brad Stevens era is just beginning, um, if you will. <laughs> and and I guess, you know, the sort of big statement uh, things that have happened have been, uh, you know, uh, getting rid of Kemba, um, I guess that smart extension, the bring back Horford and that like kind of big Williams extension. And they just don't really seem to stamp this identity on this Boston team. What do you think Mm. is sort of Steven's idea for the future identity of this team? I guess like both this season, but more long-term as well. I think like in the immediate future, like everyone's tradable. Like that was the biggest thing I noticed about all these contracts. Like you could get rid of, any of them pretty quickly if you wanted to um and the only the only person you'd have to it'd have to be for like i don't know durant that you wouldn't trade as jason tatum like he's i've i'm a obviously biased Mm. but that dude is unbelievable he makes the game look so easy at times we were talking about a while ago kevin durant makes the game look easy and he's not there but some of his like pull up jumpers and 
sidestep threes and like post phase, you just go, why is this guy not like averaging 35? Mm. Mm. Um, I'm talking about Jason Tatum. I was actually walking down High Street the other day. And you know when you see those um those things on the uh the traffic lights and it's like it's got like call this number if it was like if yeah. you're looking for babysitting work call this number and it had a photo of Jason Tatum's face actually. <laughs> well, that that's that I wouldn't trust him. He's only twelve, so <laughs> yeah, not when you're mature enough. Nah, nah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think immediately it's like we're just trying to be flexible. The smart extension and the um, Rob extension, though, they kind of lock us out of next year's free agents, but there's not like a heap of them, to be honest. And I think, I don't know, if, if Brad Stevens has learned anything from Danny Ainge, we prefer to trade for our players mm. than sign them in free agency. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, because you traded for Kyrie, Kyrie and then you traded for that big three. Yeah. Uh, we yeah, traded, I'm trying to, think, traded yeah, to get you're... rid of the big three. Um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think who, who the last like big signing was. Al Horford. <laughs> or Al, was Al, that a signing? Yeah, we signed him, and I think it was Kemba. Kemba was a was he a sign and trade? He was a sign and trade for Rosier. Yeah, wasn't he? yeah. But Horf, but Horford was a free agent. That was mm-hmm. the only one that ever like was like I want to go to Boston. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, I think that'll be kind of what our plan is moving forward. Maybe maybe we get off smart mm. or, I don't know, if Beal demands a trade, we can match salaries pretty easily. <laughs> I'm actually not that high on Beal, but I know that wow. people like to hear it. Um, <laughs> not yeah. not Beal as a player, just for Boston. Like, I just don't yeah, quite right. get it. Okay. I've never actually, yeah, I've, that's that's a good point. I've never understood why people think Beal and Tatum would be a good duo. Yeah. Just a 6'5 and 6'10 version of each other. Yeah. Um, and where yeah, does that I leave Jalen? Uh, Jalen Brown uh, and people are like oh you got to chuck in Brown for the Beal trade yeah. and I'm like as a Wizards fan I'm like yeah that sounds good yeah <laughs> that definitely sounds good but from like, my end th- that just seems like such a lateral move like Brown's yeah. really good yeah um, mm-hmm. like maybe I, I could understand Dame a bit more um, if he wanted it uh, I'm like I'd love it if Carl Anthony Towns wanted out I think that's a better fit because we Speaking lack in the needs. centers the jump for everything yeah <laughs> <laughs> defensively but he's like seven foot and he shoots 40 percent from three mm. well Give me i him. think with the robert williams extension um i think that horford would be a good guy to come in to kind of yeah. teach him how to defend a bit more dare i say it cerebrally yeah. uh, <laughs> but yeah, because because Robert Williams does have like massive upside. Didn't he get nine blocks in one of those playoff games? Yeah, yeah. He looks. Yeah. He has games where he looks really good and knows what he's doing, and then he mm. just has games like. But he's not going to guard. Like the biggest issue I think with our bigs is there are two guys in the league that I'm really scared of, and they're both playing our conference, and it's Giannis and Embiid. Because mm. how mm. do you stop them? We're too small. They're going to punish mm. us. Yeah, I don't know who who we put on them to guard. Yeah, Lucas. Yeah, you always like talk every- about like. You the know, situational footer. The, situa- the situational footer. The situational footer. Yeah, exactly and- what I was about to say. You go on. You go on. <laughs> no, but I was even going to go as far to say is like the situational footer in the East. You know, it's just, it's someone who can guard, yeah. um, you know, guard Embiid in the post and I guess give Giannis a little bit of trouble. And, you guys don't uh, think Ennis Counter can do that? <laughs> Wait, is he back at Boston? Yeah. yeah. God. He's at third center. Uh, I really don't. I really don't. <laughs> Damn, damn. <laughs> um, but you know, and and it's exactly that. Like 
they just need to be able to you know go toe to toe with them for 20 25 minutes uh don't let them get every offensive rebound uh, yeah get five fouls whatever yeah, it takes. yeah yeah exactly and then yeah. and then this is the thing is like you can actually um you can then you can afford to go small against those guys if you've kind of nullified them for yeah uh those 25 minutes with the with your situational footer yeah definitely definitely and our, be- our, be- our best bet will be Horford against them um but mm. he's like he's like 60 now so <laughs> like everyone else on the team is um, he's old enough young, to be Jason Tatum's grandmother yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right I feel like um, Juice is getting a contract next year <laughs> um I have to ask Sam how do you feel uh in um the now we're at the very end of that Nets trade how do you feel about the outcome it's it's I'm like sorry the, sorry the Nets trade I'm talking about is of course like yeah, trillion first round when we fleeced them. Yeah, KG and Paul Pierce. Yeah, that was the. I remember when we did that trade and like it hurt because obviously Paul Pierce and KG are icons at Boston. KG's getting his number retired this year, which is huge. Oh, but awesome. I went through and yeah, um, I went through and looked at like what exactly we gave up, what we got back, and then followed the picks and who we traded them to. Mm. So it was Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Jason Terry and DJ White for Chris Humphreys, Gerald Wallace, Marshall Brooks, Chris Joseph, and Keith Bogans. And then 2014 first round pick, 2016 first round pick, 2017 pick swap, 2018 first round pick. Of all those players, none of them worked out. I remember being high on Marshall Brooks and he mm. did nothing. Um, we all moved them. The 14 pick turned into James Young, who I was really high on and then washed mm. out, did nothing. 16 was Brown, so obviously great home run. 17, Jason Tatum, which we traded. We actually traded it for because it was number one. We traded it to number th- for number three from Philly, and they gave us Sacramento's first-round pick. Um, so we got Brown, Jason Tatum, and then Romeo Langford, who is an unknown still. Um, mm. And 18, we traded to get um, Kyrie, and that turned into Sexton. Um, mm. So, like... In the, at the end of the day, we've got Brown, Jason Tatum, and Romeo Langford. I think it's probably like ends up being a pretty par trade. I remember at the time thinking, wow, like that sucks. And then a couple of years later, being like, we fleeced them. And now it probably mm. sits somewhere in the middle. Like that's probably equal. We got two really good players. We gave up mm. kind of two players at the end of their career. Um, but I do think Jason Tatum will be better than Paul Pierce. Mm. It, it'll ever be. He's so good. And yeah, KG for as good as he was, we never had him during his prime years anyway. So yeah, you know Brown seems pretty fair. Yeah, and it le- it lets you enter like a new era and a rebuild or whatever without you know completely bottoming out and having to cross your fingers in the lottery. Like you know you you had those yeah. picks for a set not not free but essentially um, you know as pay- as payment for something rather than as uh, <laughs> reward for having a really yeah. bad season. Um, well, the only and, the only mm. year we we were at, we missed the playoffs was when we drafted Smart at six, mm. Mm. Um, and that was yeah that was the year after. And then after that we got Isaiah. We kind of just been in 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 the in and around the playoffs ever since. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like great as a great as a fan because they're a, like we've made two Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, we're unlucky. I thought against Miami. I thought we were pretty good. And we had the when Jason Tatum was a rookie going toe to toe with LeBron. That was awesome. Yeah. Mm. so it's given us good mm. moments but i felt like just you know 
couple of years after the trade, oh, we're going to contend for like 10 years mm. and we're just not there. Yeah. I think that that's the, that's the issue really. Since like, since maybe 2018, it has just been a slow decline. Yeah, um, definitely. definitely. Yeah. You're like, you kind of, when I think of like successful Boston, I think of that team with, I hate to say it, but Marcus Morris being really good. Yeah. Um, Al Horford being like the handiest um, center between the elbow and the three-point line yeah. running dribble handoffs. He's like and then, dribble handoff with Kyrie. They had something oh my special God. going on. Even Terry Rozier. Yeah. Like he, I remember yeah. when Scary Terry came on the scene, I was like, I remember the first game seeing it. I was like, oh shit, this is for real. Like, yeah. This could, this could be, mm. this could help them in the playoffs because I think Kyrie was out that yeah. year. And Gordon um, Hayward. Shit, we had a squad. And Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> man. We had such, thinking about it, like, I remember, like, after that year, like, oh, the league's done for. We're getting Kyrie back for a whole year. We're getting Gordon Hayward back. Like, and then Kyrie obviously quit on us in the playoffs. I'm still salty about that. And <laughs> fair enough. Um, and Gordon was just never the same. Mm. Fair mm. enough on the Gordon one as well, from, from his yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad he, glad he got paid again, though. Like, good for him. I, oh my he's god, yeah. was <laughs> What's Michael Jordan doing over there? He's just like paying yeah. Boston players. God, I have to see what's how. Up with... No, well, I have to well, see how that one tapers out. <laughs> um, <laughs> you go, you go. Well, what's up with the two greatest of all, and LeBron and MJ? What's up with them just not being able to evaluate talent? <laughs> <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> LeBron just like. Get, he just wants, like, if he could have Chris Paul, he'd have him, which you would have because Chris Paul's awesome. But, like, Camelo Anthony, like, <laughs> you think he's the answer in LA? Mm. Yeah. He's asking Vince Carter to come out of retirement next. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Um, I hope he ends up GMing yeah. or presidenting somewhere when he's retired so he can just, I don't know, just have an MJ level of bad franchise running. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could definitely see that happening though. He says he does he say he wants to, you know, part own team when he when he retires. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. that's his yeah. I think that's his plan, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you realistically see Boston ending up this off this uh this season? Oh, that was like I was trying to trying to figure it out today. Like I think in the East, like Brooklyn's if they're healthy, are pretty clearly the best team. Um then the Bucks and then the sixes and they're probably the three you know that are head and shoulders above the next teams then there's probably like three teams that i think we're in probably the third best of the three which is miami atlanta and boston Mm. um i think at our best we're better than atlanta but i'm not buying trey young it's it's Um, hard to say it's hard to say because like I would have put you in that group at the beginning of last season. I mean, I, I did. Um, yeah. And I just don't know how many steps forward you've taken in this off season. I, I don't know. I like, I like all of these moves that um, you've made, but I don't know if they quite kind of clearly, you know, the Heat have gone out and improved. Um, yeah. Atlanta have proven that they were perhaps better than, you know, yeah. that, that sort of area and that's it just makes me worry that you're sort of this season you're gonna fall into the the like seven to eleven mishmash in the east which is bulls wizards paces hornets yeah because those teams are all (laughs) like they're all they could all be pretty good this year but yeah like like Mm. i think all of them have improved in the offseason i mean 
the balls is uh, let's not get into that <laughs> but like I, I listening to I was listening to your podcast and I'm way higher on the bulls than you guys are. I just I mean, want to say on the bulls you're only guessing if they're going to be good this season yeah, that's oh, exactly. you're also only that's guessing exactly. if they're going to be bad yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like I think all of those teams in that mishmash below like yeah. the three obvious contenders Atlanta and Heat have all gotten better and I think Boston have but by how much by enough by enough to sort of I think themselves. we're relying yeah we're relying on Jalen Brown to be better mm. Jason Tatum to be better um mm. Peyton Pritchard to be better and Aaron Neesmith to be better I think like Aaron Neesmith is a sneaky like important player for us mm, yeah like, like he's that. probably going to be getting second most minutes at small forward um he showed the end of last year he can shoot the piss out of it and he started mm. to figure out defense because when he came the first couple games he played he's like guys are just beating him and i don't think he's yeah. ever going to be like locked down but if he can just be average to above average on defense mm. and hit open threes yeah like that's going to be huge mm. yeah so i think in in all of this discussion i feel like probably boston's best prospect is to beat teams in transition and from the yeah. guards and the wings. Um, yeah. Because you may not have, obviously you have these outstanding Tatum and Brown, but then your next tier down is probably the tier above other teams' role players. Yeah. So, yeah, so long as they can beat the superstars, then your next tier of guards and wings can beat the role players. Yeah. Um, and hopefully just staggered Jalen and Jason. Like, I, mm. they shouldn't, yeah. they, we shouldn't be having minutes where one of them isn't on the floor, really, unless, yeah. you know, yeah. there are other, other reasons. But if those two can just take another mini leap, which is probably in their passing, like if they could just find guys around them, um, I think we're looking all right. And if everyone's mm. healthy is the other thing. They, like last year, Kemba missed so much time. Yeah. Um, Smart was out, in and out. Um, Rob, Brown, Rob Williams Brown struggles to stay the on the court. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know every, last year was just a weird year with, with, yeah. with the pandemic and everything. So yeah. who knows? That's I'm also hoping that that played into us being so disappointing. Did yeah. you guys have COVID protocols at any point? Uh, yeah, we had um, Marcus miss time. Um, I think that he was the only real one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Marcus is going to be really like he's going to be important for us this year. This year as well. If he could just shoot a little bit better, like, yeah. that'll make mm. a huge difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, did, but yeah, I did, feel like every single one of your starters missed time at some point in the season as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was quite a, a like a there was no continuity within this season. Yeah. 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 And that's like yeah. not an excuse because there are teams that had that, but mm. some teams adjusted better than we did. I think. Mm. I think best case scenario, Sorry. like you said all those guys take like a little mini step up. Uh, Schroeder turns yeah. into like, you know, a six, six, <laughs> sixth man of the year <laughs> candidate. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, which is, abs- I think he's, that's his best role. And I think like in LA, obviously part of it was to do with injuries, but he was shouldering a bit too much responsibility yeah. as the starting point guard for like the sort of, you know, the heir apparent to the finals. Um, also, he's so- not like a perfect fit next to LeBron. No. Mm. Not at all. Like, if you want to be really yeah. good next to LeBron, just shoot the shit out of it. Yeah, shoot, shoot above forty percent, and I don't know. Yeah, don't, and don't you will get a ten million dollar contract next <laughs> next year. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think he'll be so much like 
you do have the guard depth where he can come off the bench and sort of run the second unit and just I don't know like yeah you know, he could he could average twenty points a game and then that puts you like I reckon in the top five of the East for sure. But on the other hand, yeah, definitely. It you know, yeah, I see. I see us like we, I think we'll make playoffs whether it's mm. through the play-in or or if we actually do make it. It's just about where do we fall. I like currently I think we're probably about sixth. Um, and then the teams below us are, yeah. I'd like to think we're better than the Bulls and the Wizards and the Pacers, but me too, honestly, me too. I, who Not knows? Me. <laughs> um, I feel like it is important for you guys to, to get one of those top six spots because I think something that Playin has done, it's made it kind of fun throughout the regular season because yeah. everyone's maybe a couple of games out of the playoffs. But then it's also attached the seventh seed to the tenth seed. Yeah. Whereas before the play-in, the eighth seed used to be attached to the one yeah. seed. Um, mm. And I think that you guys need to. You just. I think that that would be a big step forward. Would be just getting that like top six in the East is now. You know, like you said, there's those three out and out competitors, and then those three which uh, we're all yeah. projecting Boston's going to be in. Three like that's like you still you can't you can't just like that's. They're still great yeah. basketball. Teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like, yeah, it's very important to get one of those top six. Also, teams. the play-in, like, it's only two games. Like, if you lose, like, you could have a bad two games yeah. and then all of a sudden you're out of the playoffs. Mm. Like, we saw that. Like, there's no reason. Would you have rather have seen the Warriors in the playoffs or Memphis? Like, mm. I just yeah. thought oh, it was a bit like, like, the Warriors just get unlucky. You have to play the Lakers, who are better than them, um, and who are only probably in the play-in because of LeBron and AD being injured. Definitely. And then they get unlucky against a um, Memphis team that gets hot and whatever. They're all yeah. of a sudden not playing in playing in the playoffs. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. No, you you wanna you wanna avoid seventh and eighth if you're really a playoff team, I think. Like just as mm, Lucas yeah. said, as as a statement more than anything. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. So I don't know. I'm pretty more I'm probably more optimistic than I should be. I think um you may Doka's going to be a good coach i'm glad he was at the olympics with um with jason like mm. that'll be getting to know each other and jason tatum looked good at the olympics mm. um, yeah and so did um and i i really like this is a bit off topic again but like i hope smart who's never going to be as good as this guy but just brings a bit of like drew holiday to our team mm. this year because he was a bit mm. off defensively last year you know i think you were saying it in the in one of your podcasts like you just feel better when Drew's on the court for uh, Milwaukee, even if he's not shooting well. You're just like, I know I'm getting something out of him defensively. Yeah, like yeah. I do feel that way with Smart. So if he can just be elite defensively, mm. whatever we get on offense is a bonus. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You don't you don't need his offensive production necessarily, nah. considering nah. the the other players you have on the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Schroeder. Brown, Tatum, a little bit of Josh Richardson thrown in there. Hopefully we're all right. Yeah, you'll be right. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, the Zoom meeting's about to run out of minutes. So uh, thanks for coming <laughs> on, Sam. Uh, all the best. Yeah, to thank you for year. having me. It's, I've, been, I've, been pestering, I've been pestering you guys long enough. Yeah. Life, lifelong <laughs> well, now you know, now you... <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Love now the name. You, now you get a, a look in the... Um... <laughs> Love the name. Now you get a look in the uh, how we plan episode the day before we'll message you and say, hey, you want to come on tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. And all day we'll be like, peek okay, so what the, the fuck should we talk about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just give the whole audience a peek behind the curtain. Why don't you, Lucas? 
Yeah. <laughs> Breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> no, I won't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Thanks, thank Sam. you very much for having me, boys. No Cheers. Man, that was a really nice visit from uh, Sam. Speaking yeah. of visits, the Seattle Storm visited the White House this week. <laughs> maybe to, maybe even yesterday. Yeah, I think it was... Uh, I mean, it, it feels like it was just a couple of hours ago, actually. Well, when I watched the YouTube video, definitely it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, what, what did you want to say about it? Um, Sleepy Joe, man. He's a, li- he's a bit quicker than I remember. Uh, this is the first I've heard of him. First I've heard from him. Now, granted, I haven't been looking. The first I've heard from him since the election, um, which kind of confirms my brother's point that world leaders should not be entertaining and should not be hot. And he said that um, that was the worst part about Trump is that he was the most entertaining man in the world and he was so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he was a sexy one. Um, yeah, I feel like Joe Biden. <laughs> I mean, I I don't want to talk too much uh, U.S. politics on this podcast, but um, I feel like his whole thing is just sort of like, eh, I'll just show up when I have to. Like, you know, if my yeah. presence isn't needed, I'm just going to cause more trouble uh, than is worth. Which is absolutely what Trump did by kind of like showing up or commenting on absolutely everything. Um, <laughs> and also just having like a massive problem with, uh, sports players of every, you know, every cut and color, uh, if you will, pun definitely intended. <laughs> There's a great article somewhere of like, uh, which teams accepted and didn't accept, uh, white house visited visits while Trump was in mm-hmm. power. And it's like, he had like a 15% strike rate or something like that. Wow. <laughs> like, no NBA team visited him. Um, I don't think any MLS team visited him. Maybe one or two baseball teams did. Uh, I think most football teams did, except any that were, you know, trying to do the social justice thing. Um, so, yeah. And, oh, yeah, no WNBA teams, for sure. No WNBA yeah. teams. So Yeah, because like, they were interviewing... Think... Yeah. They were interviewing Stewie, and she was like, yeah, thanks for having us for... Like, this is exciting to celebrate the 2020 um, ring and also the 2018 ring. Yeah, um, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, something Sleepy Joe said in his speech was that uh, there were five Olympians, um, three Americans being Lloyd, Bird, and Stewart, and two Australians being Tal- <clears throat> Talbot and Mag- McBegger and Magbegore. <laughs> um, I think that that's the best lineup that the Storm can run with. They've been playing Mercedes Russell at center, and I'm just not I'm just not overly enthused whenever she's on the court. She's mm, quite mm. um she's quite easily beaten in the post, and she just doesn't have the agility that um um Mag- I can't stop saying McBigger. <laughs> Mag- she doesn't have the agility that Magbagor has. Uh, she definitely does have the strength though, um, or more strength than Magbagor. Um, but yeah, that was the only and the, that was the other thing I saw watching. Storm Liberty on Saturday, uh, although it was a really a really easy win, and Mercedes Russell did play a lot of the minutes. I just feel better when Magbagor's playing at center instead. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, definitely agree with you a hundred percent. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And something I didn't realize is that Sue Bird's partner is Megan. I don't know what her last name is. Rapione. Megan Rapinoe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cap- Captain Rapinoe. of the Rapinoe. United States Women's National Soccer Team. Um, oh, yeah. God. Absolute legend and uh, queen of the uh, scorning the White House visit. Um, you know, I think after they won the World Cup, she's like, no fucking way I'm going to visit that bum or something about trump oh yeah oh, actually even before oh, they won, yeah even before they'd won the world cup i think she said that yeah um dude shout out she's a legend yeah shout um, out i remember her saying that yeah what a fucking pair actually jeez that's pretty much as yeah, legendary as, as um sports couples get <laughs> oh i chopped in and out just then Nah, you're right you're right um, yeah, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi now have five Olympics. Wait, no, you did just chop out then. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're having some technical Sue Bird and Diana. <laughs> Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi um, both now have five Olympic gold medals as well for America. Insane. Insane. That's nuts. I, in like any sport, so few athletes have competed have even competed in like uh five olympics you know what i mean mm. um yeah uh, so yeah have five golds wait five golds or five medals five gold to be you have to be the best you have to be the one of the best at well i guess it's different in swimming because you can do heaps of different events but you have to mm. be at the very top of your sport for 16 years at the very least god that's and fucked. even then gold obviously isn't promised yeah. I mean, it is, but it, it is in in women's basketball. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But still, you're you're still part of that team that's really really good at basketball. Like, there's a reason they're really good. It's because of the players, and you're one yeah. of those players. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing. You have to get onto the team that has the largest pool of good players to select from for for sixteen yeah. years straight. <laughs> yeah. True. Wow. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, Speaking, we want to spe- get on to um, a little bit more. <laughs> God, we're just out of sync today. Um, <laughs> in I th- Well, in lieu of, uh, I guess, a barrage of trade and other basketball news, uh, we, we both watched a couple of documentaries in the last few days <laughs> that we wanted yeah. to talk about. Um, first one being the uh, Netflix Untold uh, Malice at the Palace special. What did you make of that, Lucas? Mm-hmm. Man, um, very entertaining, very engaging. I would say I'm a pacifist and a naturally cautious person. I get that from my mum. But I wanted to fucking fight as soon as that doco was... I, not just as soon as that doco was over. Throughout that doco, I wanted to fight. I wanted to take the bottom of my fist and just mash it into every single American media member that labeled these black athletes as thugs. It was so many, so many more than you could count. Yeah. Oh my God. It was crazy. I knew, I knew that documentary was going to sort of be taking that focus. Cause I think when you like read about Malice at the palace, that's obviously the undertone, but there's also, you know, the fact that like the long suspensions, uh, Ron Artest, the character being at the center of it and all that. But yeah, I mean, that was really the crux of it was, um, this thing we've talked about on the pot a lot, the sort of these like entitled white sports fans throwing a hissy fit over something that happened on the court. Um, and then the white sports media just completely backing them up. 
Um, and also, yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen A. Smith completely backing them up as well. Um, yeah. he, certainly, he certainly wasn't siding with the players. Um, yeah. So funny seeing, yeah, like a young, I guess, yeah, pre... Um, I don't want to say pre-mental breakdown, but like pre-inhabiting uh, his character, Stephen A. Smith, just very eloquently being like, you know, there's, there's no room for this sort of behavior in the NBA. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, definitely got my blood boiling and you could see yeah like the emotion they got out of um the paces players when they're interviewing them today was incredible as well yeah oh my god stack when he's like yeah listen this is the last time i'm talking about that motherfucker john green um <laughs> also by the way in terms of sport is the stephen dank john green for the malice of the palace saga is the stephen dank of the essendon saga wow Fucking nearly everyone Nearly everyone doesn't know who they are. <laughs> and they're just going to put blame on the players. If you mm. hate on the Essendon players for the drug saga, you're a fucking idiot, by the way. Stephen Dank said, as the club doctor said, hey, come into this room. Trust me, I'll do this thing to you. It's his fault. Put the blame on him before you put it on her. Yes, her deserves blame. Um, but if you're not going to fucking put most of the blame on Stephen Dank, <laughs> I just realized how angry I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I watched that Malice of the Palace documentary. It got me so angry about the Essendon Supplement scandal. <laughs> um, Let's get back onto that. <laughs> I, I think a similarity between Stephen Dank and John Green is just how fucking unrepentant they are. John Green was so yeah. like in that interview that he gave. Um, what, was it? It must have been a few years after the Malice. Um, mm. He just, he was just so proud of himself. He was so proud yeah. that he'd ignited that. And like, I mean, aside from like the direct impact of like all these people getting hurt, I, like all these fucking players went through this mental trauma for it. Um, yeah. But more than that, uh, like it kind of changed the trajectory of their careers. Like it ruined a season of basketball yeah. for them. Um, I mean... Yeah. You know, they were very adamant that they were going to win the chip that year. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's 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 basketball that can that can kind of go uh, either way. Um, but uh, yeah, like it took this like great contending team just completely out of the running. And then obviously, um, at the end of at the end halfway through the next season, um, Ron Artest uh, demands a trade. Reggie Miller retired at the end of that season. So it was just like, um, yeah, that group mm. got completely disbanded by that one incident, which I've never really thought about because I've always I've always looked at it as a bit of a, like, two-sided, like, um, you know, obviously it derailed the pace of season, but, like, the Pistons were kind of having a crap year as well. But, yeah, it really just completely broke that team apart. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then it was kind of the end of, the beginning of the end of Jermaine O'Neal's career, and he says that, and I feel like that's very well documented. Um fact about Jermaine O'Neal, Harry Fail always wanted to pick number seven because it was Jermaine O'Neal's number. Um, yeah, and he never got it. I knew why Harry never got number seven. Yeah. Um, there was always some fucking bum at the club that wanted number seven before him. And it's like, hey, guys, this is, this is our ticket Give it ticket to Harry out. Fail. Give it to Harry Fail. Yeah. <laughs> Give that guy whatever From he age wants. zero, he was the best. Oh, but he's just um, so polite. He would never do that. I know, just like Jermaine O'Neal. Um, but yeah, that's another thing I never really under... Sorry, I've never really appreciated until... Um, I think Reggie Miller was talking about it. 
or whatever. But just Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, Jermaine O'Neal, that team in their primes, that team was on the way to winning a ring. Yeah, like yeah. Ron Artest and Steven Jackson were fighting, fighting on who could defend the best player on the other team. <laughs> One of them had to concede. And that was what they were fighting about, to defend the best player on the other team. Um, yeah. And yeah, um, yeah, I just feel like crazy gross reaction very big reflection of the times in the mid 2000s um what's his name when steven jackson said should never given them <laughs> no money yeah uh as you've also highlighted just such a great and exactly what everyone's trying to say yeah yeah 100 percent um what do you think uh that paces team like you know malice doesn't happen that paces team makes it to the finals that year do, do they beat the Spurs? Um, it, that's a great what if. Um, it's a like I it's a that, it's a pretty solid Spurs team, you know. Like Timmy's there, uh, Tony's there, Manu's there. Uh, Bruce Bowen yeah. is in all defensive first team form. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I think that um, you get to the NBA Finals. Uh, I think that maybe the only team in the league where the Pacers wouldn't be able to make the game an emotional game and then go on and win the emotional mm. game would be that Spurs team. Mm. Um, so I think that, oh, that's a really... That yeah. would have been such a great series. Shit. Yeah. That would have been such an outstanding series. How fucking awesome was the NBA like the year before and that year where you had um, mm. in the in the East, like the conference finals were the Pacers and the Pistons, these two just like defensive juggernauts, like with mm. some of some of the best defenders of like, you know, the post 2000s NBA for sure on both teams. Yeah. And yeah. then this and then the Spurs who were the same, who were just set up so well, had fucking Tim Duncan, you know, the mm. what you, you would say the greatest power forward to ever play the game. Um, mm. and, and yeah, Bruce Bowen, it is like in his prime defensive best. Um, and you know, all those other Spurs players that you don't even, <laughs> you don't even need to, you don't even need to give them their flowers that they talked mm. that the sort of role players on those teams are talked about how good they are so much. Um, but yeah, mm. like what a time to be in the NBA when defense was valued yeah. so highly and was on display, like in the conference finals, in the NBA finals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so many people showing highlights from the series, the playoff series, the year before. And it was, like, 59 all with six minutes to go in one of the games. Like, 59 all with six That's minutes fun. to go in the game. Yeah, oh. and I remember when I... That was, like, kind of when I was first starting to watch basketball, and I didn't really know really what I was watching. Um, but you could really see how good the teams were defensively. Uh, mm. And... It was a completely different game. Um, mm. Man, I'm still trying to think of that Pacers Spurs series. I think that yeah. would have been like an all-time series. Yeah, yeah, it would have been incredible. It would have been so good. Um, shall we move on to the uh, the next documentary we, we 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 watched over the last few days? <laughs> the Luke Longley Express. The 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 Longley Express. Uh, ABC's Australian story. Uh, did a great little. A uh, great little two-parter on him, I guess, with a bit of a focus on the fact that he was left left out of the last dance. Um, yeah. What? Um. What did you think of Longley himself? I thought he seemed like a pretty sweet guy. 
I thought like he yeah, seemed definitely. like a, one of those kind of like sarcastic Australian sweethearts. Um, and I loved his hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. I, I oh, so lovable. Um, I think the thing I got most from the Longley doco, or I guess biopic, biopic. Mm, sure. Um, was that he got life like he really understood life and like what he wanted and who he was and he didn't need anything else to fill that uh which i think was very conflicting when he got to the nba because mm. i feel like um there were a lot of people trying to be the very best in the nba and he was just kind of happy being himself and like you like the way he talked about his two partners in the doco or biopic or biopic were it was just so endearing like the way he was talking about his first life and then his second wife and just like what he enjoyed in life i think it was um it was so nice it was so it was so cool because obviously i'm watching it because i'm a basketball fan but he like so so little of his perspective and everything was about basketball like his favorite thing was making sure everyone was involved and mm. playing date like those were his two favorite parts <laughs> about basketball yeah. Um, yeah. What'd you make of it? Yeah. Oh no. D- definitely all that. I think um, it was really interesting watching um, that Bulls and MJ story without MJ being the main character, and not only that, yeah. but like a guy so unlike MJ being the main character. Because I think when you when you watch the Last Dance and you're like, oh cool, MJ was just totally locked into winning. Like he's such a competitor. Blah 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 blah. And then you watch like that doco and you know it's luke longley and uh steve kerr and like all the other team at his house having a barbecue and michael jordan's not yeah and it's like yeah everyone else in the bulls was kind of a normal person you know they were obviously an elite level basketball player trying to win a championship but they didn't sort of sacrifice their life um yeah the same way that michael did like he gave away everything for winning and I don't yeah. know, I think it's interesting where it's like, I think sometimes people, like the way that athletes sacrifice themselves to win is like just, you know, irrefutably a good thing. And I think this was like a good look at, hmm, maybe if you enjoy life a little bit and kind of live outside it, you can still kind of find success in a way. I think, yeah, yeah. it's just an, an interesting alternate way at looking, uh, alternate way of looking at success. Um through a story that we like as basketball fans know so well yeah definitely and i feel like yeah our success or my diplomacy success isn't attached to the to the three rings that he was a starting mm. center for yeah like he was a starting center for three rings but that was never the source of like happiness he was yeah. happy that he won but it was yeah. never like that was never his idea of success Mm. Um, and I think that that's another thing. Like, yeah, the whole team was there hanging out at Luke's place having a barbie. Um, but, um, and, and I think that that's something you got to look at in terms of that Chicago team. Like that team was, was so, um, as a resource was so accessible and perfectly built Mm. for Jordan for them to just be this unit that Jordan could come in and just drop a million points a night. Um, I just think I think that that's kind of a, an underrated thing about that Bulls team is that like really how good they were, and that shows mm. another side of why they. Yeah, true. Love that. Um, 
Yeah, it was very funny hearing him and his great uh, Australian accent being like, uh, here's my three championship rings. Uh, <laughs> like, so sort of like they held so little value for him in one way. I feel like he, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, he did, he made a big deal of being like, no, I'm really grateful for this. Like, thanks MJ, blah, 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 blah. But in another way, he's like, oh, what are these, what are these fucking things? I can't remember what he says. He's like, they're kind of like ugly and uh, I, I can't remember what he says, but he uses these two words. He's like, and that was kind of like those uh, championships we won. I'm like, oh, okay, Luke, yeah, yeah, yeah. you bloody jokes. So, um, I also, <laughs> I love the idea of <clears throat> him and, uh, he only hinted it a little bit, him and Rodman being good friends. And he, he was like, I ended up in some uh, crazy places with Dennis that I'm just going to take as like, you know, little badges of experience. I'm like, okay, what did you do with Dennis Rodman? Luke Longley? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely my favorite part of the doco. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Not what was Dennis doing with Luke? Not what was yeah. Luke doing with Dennis? <laughs> um, um, yeah, I would love I would love to be a fly on a fly on the wall for a Luke Longley Dennis Rodman night. Um, <laughs> um, I love his first line in his um docker mm. is <laughs> being full has ergonomic challenges for sure. <laughs> that that's such a good good. To, like that really sets the tone for the rest of the yeah. fucking who yeah. says that <laughs> god no that and i think that that perfectly captured who he was like this kind of like yeah yeah sarcastic humble but ultimately like i ultimately i think very very deeply secure and happy guy you know oh yeah no definitely yeah yeah um also what the fuck was tim winton doing there why is luke longley friends with tim winton <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I recognize that name. Tim Winton, is he a comedian or what? No, what is no, he? he's, a, he's an author. He writes like, those, he writes those, like oh. those books about those coming-of-age novels about, you know, like 14-year-old boys finding a dead body and then going surfing and having like an existential crisis about it. If it you know those yeah, sorts right. of books. <laughs> yeah, you, you read those all the time. I was thinking of Tim Minchin. Uh- <laughs> The, the the whole time I was wondering why he singer. didn't look like Tim Minchin. Yeah, no. Well, he only he <laughs> the was in rude it. Singer. They used like they obviously did like a full length interview with him and then just put one quote in there and it's like oh cool Tim yeah. Minton's here I guess. <laughs> mm. um, oh, that was another awesome thing about um, Luke Longley's doco is how much they included. It seemed as though he wanted all of his kids to be included in one way mm. or another. Mm. Like it seemed mm. like that was something important to him because they interviewed one of his current partner's children and the the kid had the most fucking useless addition to the doco it <laughs> seemed like the reason he was in it was because luke was like hey i want everybody involved in this i don't yeah. care if they have the smallest little if they play the smallest little part i want them to be a part of this yeah yeah go luke vale luke longley <laughs> um I had a, I, we actually had the first uh, ride in to Marco's mailbag in quite some time uh, from a <laughs> long, long time uh, listener, uh, Jasper Woodcock, also a co-host of the 40 yard switch, 40 yard switch. Was that the 40 yard switch? Did you say? Yeah. The 40 yard switch. Can that switch. be found on Spotify and iTunes? It can be found wherever you get your podcasts, actually. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Much yeah, like the jet. Is this jelly? <laughs> um he said uh okay so thinking of the two players who've had the biggest impact on their sport in terms of like you know more than on the court but like expanding it globally etc etc and you might even disagree with the premise of this question 
Who's had a bigger <laughs> global impact, Michael Jordan or Lionel Messi? Oh my god, dude! I don't actually think I could answer this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like I know anywhere near enough about Lionel Messi. Mm. Um, but um, well, let's start with: Do you think Jordan I, has expanded the game the most, like more than LeBron, in in that side oh, of yeah, the debate? Yeah. yeah, I think that MJ is. Um, regardless of where you stand on anyone on your goat stance or whatever, I think MJ is probably the most revolutionary basketball is definitely the most revolutionary basketball player of all time. And he made basketball cool. Um, and he was just a cool guy and he was just such a show and he grew the, they say that thing in the last dance is like, they grew the, they like doubled the the amount of countries that the NBA was in while Jordan Mm. was the face of the NBA. Yeah. Um, I think that that's kind of, I don't know. I don't know about how Leo Messi has grown soccer, um, yeah. but I think that it's a, it's a hard task to come up against, uh, MJ. Yeah. I, I would say, so I think soccer football has always had this huge global reach, like, you know, for almost 70, 80 years, um, where it is just played all and watched all over the world sort of regardless who's in it whereas yeah michael jordan completely you know the nba in the 70s no one fucking watched it um then like magic magic and bird came along they sort of made it popular in the us and then jordan came along and it just became like a completely global game i think we're only seeing like the effects of jordan's um you know legacy on the global game now where so many of the world's best players are from countries that aren't the us like so many of the NBA's best players obviously grew up in an era where the NBA was on their screens because of how popular Jordan was. Messi is like the touchstone, I think, for every young kid playing soccer everywhere in the world. Like he's the guy you want to play like for sure. But I don't think he's actually expanded the popularity of the game, if that makes sense. I think he's, I think he's far and away, I, I would dare say he's the most popular um, football player of all time, like, you know, more popular than uh, original Ronaldo, than Maradona, than obviously Pele. Um, but I, I think I think in terms of actually expanding the game, Michael Jordan uh, takes the cake for sure. Yeah, that was the yeah. question as well, who, who expanded the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or who sort of has the most global mm. imp- impact on the game. Um, mm. uh, yeah, it's a tricky one though, jeez. The, the goat I guess debate. It's it's kind of two, it's two different questions though as well. Oh, yeah. sorry, they do it in two different ways. Like if mm. everyone wants to be Leo Messi, then that's unbelievable in its own right. But um, there was only Mike. Like it wasn't yeah. like I want to be like this NBA player. It was I want to be like Michael Jordan because that was yeah. all anyone in the world knew. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's completely different. Point. I think you know what I liken it to. I liken it to like. 4G first came out. <laughs> but you know when 4G first came out and then like every like every once in a while you'd hear of someone that had 4G and like they're paying this ridiculous amount of money for the plan. And then a year later, everyone has an 150 gig plan for like 10 mm. bucks a month. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan is the is the is when 4G comes on the scene and then Leo Messi is 4G a year later. Right. Okay. Cool. I get you. <laughs> Does that make I mean, sense at it all? It does, but I feel like 4G a year later needs to have like 
some distinguishing factor. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, uh, anything else you wanted to add? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> cool. I had, I had one thing to finish us off with. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, speaking as I am to the king of the... Uh, the king of the the basketball spreadsheet. I've actually uh, been making my own um, for the oh the, wow know, as of one pm today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as as you may know, uh, me and Lucas's beloved uh, Essendon Bombers uh, got up on the weekend playing finals. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're in with a fucking good shot to win our first game since two thousand and four. Um, yeah. So yep. I've started making a spreadsheet of every. Uh, every Australian who's played in the NBA and which um, AFL team they support. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I've sort of struggled a bit. I found 11 players who, uh, okay. you know, whose allegiance is, um, is out there in the open. Actually, that's a lie because one of them is Kyrie Irving, who we know is just an honorary um, Essendon supporter. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to sort of put a call out to um, our listeners that uh, if you if you know an Australian basketball player's AFL allegiance, please write into us because I would like to expand this. It's looking a bit um, paltry at the moment. I'll uh, is this going to become a, a trick, Lucas of sorts? Oh yeah, that's not a bad idea. I could get behind <laughs> that. Who he go for? <laughs> uh, yeah, who he go for? <laughs> um, well, here, why don't I give you one to start you off? I'll give you a. It might not be easy for you. Uh, Luke Longley. Damn, I was going to guess... Um, I My guess was going to be you are going to ask me Dante Exum and I was going to say the Adelaide Rose for no real oh. reason. But um, Luke Longley. Um, well, it's got to be Frio. Yeah, it's Frio. Nice. I, get, I said it would be an easy one. Um, Dante Exum, though. <laughs> uh, interesting enough, he's, he's a Don. He supports Essendon. Oh, oh, fuck, I knew this. Yeah, he puts us into the he puts us at the top of the leaderboard, which is uh, four Essendon supporters at the moment. Uh, in second place, Man. we have Haw- in second place we have Hawthorne with two, and then uh, uh, a whole bunch of other ones. Um, but so, <laughs> if you have any information about this, please, please, uh, <laughs> please send us an Instagram DM or email us at uh, jvgmbatributeshow at gmail because we check that all the time. <laughs> Um, I just really like to expand beyond my current 11 selections. Yeah, that's half a footy thing. <laughs> hey, not bad. Not bad. All right. Well, um, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I guess we will. <laughs> same time, same place. You know where to find us. <laughs> All right. Later. You've been listening to an episode of the Jeff Van Gundy NBA Triple Show, hosted by Lucas Petridis and Michael Owen Jeffrey. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at JVG NBA Tribute Show.